I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast presented by Zwift here with Benji for the Tour de Romandie Stage 3 recap from Valbroy to Valbroy. It is another miscellaneous medium mountain, but not that hard medium mountain stage where we know there should be no GC action, but it's too hard for a sprint for Ethan Vernon. There's no sprinters here, so yeah, not great. 165Ks with two climbs, 4Ks, 5% descent, and then the Sedei climb, 4.5Ks, 4.4% with a steeper bit at the start, which crests about 8K from the finish with the descent. Now, last year I thought... Well, no, last year, Solaire won a rainy Romandie stage with a descent attack over the crest. If a climb like this, a stage like this, unfortunately, well, fortunately for the riders, there were sunny conditions today. So would the likes of Ayuso, Hirschi, uh, Maida, those sort of attackers be able to do anything on this parkour? Probably not. Uh, we had Rowan Dennis in the leader's jersey after Hater had given it up on stage one, 14 seconds ahead of Groschartner and 18 ahead of Mauro Schmidt, who's kind of gone under the radar, Benji, Mauro Schmidt, as a good pickup for Quickstep. He's been pretty professional this year. But we had another break, and can you explain to me, what am I missing, Benji? I'm but a child of this sport. Why we have for the second day in a row a Latvian on 90 seconds trying to win from the breakaway? Well, they're clearly not listening to LRCP, right? Because we stated a few times already that if your gap in GC is too small, then if you go in the breakaway, then the GC teams, who are likely not even caring about the stage, like Rohan Dennis, for example, are going to chase that breakaway, like we saw today with a breakaway, including, like you said, Chris Nylans, who is riding his first Romany, Remy Cavani on the break as well. It's good to see him like back in action after his injury at the start of the year. Nonetheless, Cavagna in that break with Nylans and Nils Peters, another Frenchman, that break indeed didn't get a large gap on the peloton. Again, Jumbo had to keep it relatively close. Israel Premier Tech was also a bit to the front. I didn't see them pulling too much, though. It was mostly Jumbo until we really got to the uh, final stretches. And it's the typical final where you would argue that people could attack here, but it's also like... Uphill, but directly downhill. Uphill, directly downhill. And I'm like, yeah, people might not attack because the clouds might be too short to make the group that tiny that we will see attacks. And we started that Dompierre climb, and I got a feeling that it took a bit longer until the break got caught, but eventually they did. And we saw some attacks by random people that I completely forgot what their names were. But on the climb itself, it looked like... Yumbo only had really three riders left in the group. Dennis in the leader's jersey, Kreisweg, and Kuss basically at the back of the group. And we already saw the likes of a video dropping, like you mentioned, and Ethan Vernon. Who tried to do something on the climb, and did you think that Yumbo responded to it well? The final climb, it was Verona. I didn't recognize him immediately. Uh, and then that set off counterattacks from Hirschi, Vlasov, 
Uh, ben O'Connor joined here, she on a little downhill, but the group stopped working. Gino Maida counterattacked. I think I'm not giving Maida the credit for the initial counterattack when yeah. Verona was caught. Uh, they got Dylan Turns in the group, but no real sprinter. Maybe Colbrelli you would expect to have been at this race uh, had he not had his health issues. So there, no Bauhaus, no Colbrelli. So Maida got some freedom and he's Swiss. Uh, but that got brought back. O'Connor's been pretty aggressive, actually, these first few stages. He's obviously feeling himself. Look out for him tomorrow and the Mountain TT. But then we just had Israel locking it down for a sprint with one rider. And then Ineos had done a lot of work. Again, it was the same as yesterday. Yumbo paced, kept it tight, and then said to Ineos, well, if you want it, finish it off. And they were riding for Hater for the stage. He won yesterday, obviously. And we have a fast... Well, sort of downhill finish, not like Poland downhill, but it's a slightly downhill finish, and there's a right-hand turn into it, and then the straight's not very long, 250, maybe even 225, and the sprint field here is obviously the worst in any World Tour race on the calendar this year. It's worse than probably uh, the majority of dot pro races when you consider Valenciana's sprint field. Uh, There's not even sort of professional good pro conti sprinters like uh uh moschetti etc even though he's on track which is a world tour team so not a great sprint field but nara schmidt in the young leaders young riders jersey leading out not sure who maybe honore if i had to guess and he's got hater on his wheel bevan's kind of off the wheel a little bit and at 175 bevan jumps perfect time to jump don't need to lead out with this slightly downhill finish. 175 jumps and gets multiple bike lengths on Hater, who wasn't even thinking about jumping at that point. He was trying to wait for I don't know when, given that he went he went at like 225 yesterday. Yep. He's got Dennis coming up his left-hand side in the leader's jersey, contesting the sprint. Hater follows Bevan, gets onto his wheel, squeezes Dennis a little bit, but can't catch up to Bevan, who beats him easily. The Kiwi winning stage three of Romandy, I think. Ah, I lied. I was going to say it's his first world tour win. It's his first world tour win in Europe. He won a stage of Tour Down Under in 2019 when he also came fourth in World Champs, ITT. He's 31 years old, uh, out of contract, and he's having a contract year. He just won the Tour of Turkey. But this show is brought to you by our show partners with the online cycling platform that makes training fun. Benji and our group of friends have been joining up pretty much every day on the meetup feature on Swift. It's an unbelievable feature that we love and hopefully they keep building on it as well. We chat on Discord while we're riding together and yeah, it's awesome watching the race, training or just getting some, I mean, training's not always I'm doing, just spinning the legs. It's been great on Zwift, who are also the reason we are able to go to Budapest for the Giro next week, LRCP on tour. If you want to check out Zwift, you can go to Zwift.com down below for a free seven-day trial. And, yeah, just check it out. No obligations or strings attached. Were you surprised Hater didn't open up, Benji? If I was him, out of that corner, I would have unleashed the taps and been confident no one would come around me. Yeah, and especially knowing how the team prepared it, because we we might have rushed a bit throughout the final of this stage, because there was an attack by a Wanty rider, Antomache rider, in the last two and a half kilometers. Tarame 
and it was an interesting attack where like one rider went off the front then Quinton Hermans kind of stopped and the gap opened up and I want to give credit to both Thomas and Luke Plapp here first of all Thomas for starting the tempo again he waited a bit but then he had to start because otherwise it wouldn't have been a sprint that I mean it would have plainly won and then Plapp went over Thomas and started riding for Hater as well so that preparation leading towards Hater just not opening up in time is that a recon thing I don't know like on paper, if you know the finish, you would argue that a descent finish of, like, it's not that long after that corner to the finish line. You don't have much space to fly past people. I think the acceleration of a Caleb Ewan is necessary to fly past someone in that final stretch. So we need to open up relatively early here to try and make it, and he didn't do it. And I think he might punch himself in the head a bit after this stage, thinking, okay, I could have won that if I went earlier, because... I don't think this was one on pure strength. I think this was also one on knowing the finish parkour. Does that make sense? Yeah, judging from Bevan was confident launching early. He was like, it seemed like the perfect time and waiting any longer, it wasn't that wide a finish. He could have been boxed in as well. So Israel have to be happy with that. He moves into second on GC. Dennis still, he took four bonus seconds, Rowan Dennis. So it all adds up. Bonus seconds on stage one, six of them, four here, plus a good prologue, plus Thomas lost 20 in the penalty. Dennis is, let's say that Groschartner's, I don't really see it, 18 seconds back. The next best GC contenders turns and Ayuso are on 22 and Vlasov on 27. It's a handy margin for Rowan Dennis, who looks like he is in his top, top 2019 Tour de Suisse condition. Evan is the interesting one. I think he has to ride 100% for GC. This isn't the Tour yeah. of Turkey uh, start li- climber start list. It's a higher level here with an 8, uh, was it 10K, 8% mountain TT? But he's got to give it a crack, right, Benji? Try and get a top 10. Yeah, I think so as well. We don't know how far it's, he's going to get knowing that. We don't know how Turkey translates to this race, like you mentioned, but... I think you're in that position, you're in second. They need the points, and that is what matters here. I think that for Israel, it would be very good that Patrick Bevan takes points in GC. Even if it's just the top 10 position, it would be good for them. 100%. And let's talk about that right now. We spoke about Lotto the other day. Fulsang and Woods are on 40 and 50 seconds, respectively. That's not insurmountable to get into the top 10. Bevan, as Benji said, second has to try. Stacking three riders in the top 10 is what they need for points. But Full Sangerwood's not winning GC. It's too far gone, and Bevan's not winning either. He's not going to outclimb Dennis in either day. So they, like, I don't believe in going into races with point farming as your 100% goal when you're a World Tour team, but once the win's out of reach, you guys should go for your best anyway. So I don't think Full Sang should sacrifice for Woods or Woods should sacrifice for Bevan or vice versa. I think they should all ride for their own GC because Israel are in the relegation zone and they are in big trouble. If you haven't been following the relegation battles stuff, there's been fortnightly articles on lanchonrouge.com.au written by Raul Bankeri. I contribute to them as well. And Israel are in that 19th position below Kofidis, who are 18th and safe at the moment. Uh, and that's a 900 UCI point gap as of Monday this week. Israel started the year, I believe, 
uh, or earlier in the year, had about a 1,000 or 900-point lead on Cofidis and was safe. They'd had a bad 2020, a really good 2021, uh, where they were ranked, I think, like mid-pack, and then they've not been good this year. What do you expect from them, Benji? Van Mark couldn't do any of the classics. Nizzolo crashed in San Remo. Uh, is Fulsang washed, or can he can he top 10 Romandy here and Swiss, because they really need him to? The thing about Fulsang is that I don't think he's completely washed, but he's coming towards the latter part of his career, and that's why it still boggles my mind that someone at Israel decided to sign this man for three years last year. The lesson one of cycling transfers, also made by Patrick Lefebvre as a clear lesson because he never breaks this rule. Above 35 years old, you get a contract of one year unless you're a rider that 100% will perform for the two years that you sign him up for. And full sank for three years is a risk. What can he do this year, though? When it comes to Romani, he, he just needs to get as close as possible in GC, like you mentioned, but I'm not going to lie. I don't really see it being that easy getting that top 10. Yes, there's likely not going to be 25 people that go for GC in this race in the coming two days, but it's not looking too proper at the moment. And like you say, I also don't feel like Israel is really going for three riders in the top 10 at the moment. I feel like they're offering each other up for each other. And as a consequence, they'll likely end up riding for one another and therefore reduce their chances of having multiple riders in a top 10, for example. And the same really goes for Woods. I do think that Woods is a rider that I expect to do better than Fulsang in GC here. The thing is, I have not seen Fulsang in this race or I don't recognize him in his shirt at Israel. It's so difficult because when I look at those Israel riders, I'm like, there's Woods, there's Bevan, where's Fulsang? It's like he's always hiding in Romandy. And I don't know, I just don't see it for him in this race. But you're right, Tour de Suisse is coming up. They need to make sure they get as many points as possible in GC races because there's not that many one-day races in this part of the season that benefit those riders. I do think that the Italian classics can offer up opportunities, but that's also a combination with the Vuelta. You know, you can't send... You have to choose. One of them well, will probably end up going... Vuelta for GC. Yeah? I decided the other day. It suits him. Just and Woods for Milano Torino and so forth. Then, well, Torino oh, no, already yeah, done, but now. no, but Piemonte <laughs> to your point, Piemonte might be the climbing parkour this year, and yeah. so yeah, I, that's, I agree. You read my mind, Woods to do the Italian classics and full sang GC Vuelta, and then both obviously world champs. Israel need to be like you guys need to do as best as good as possible at world champs yeah. in fact use another use another bike use a specialized tarmac um at world <laughs> champs <laughs> so you can get a better result in your national colors um than on the factor but yeah full thing i don't think is full washed of course i don't think he's probably worth no not probably i don't think he's worth three-year deal and the money they're paying him that money i'm not sure came from sylvan adams though benji i think yep. that was from premier tech mm-hmm. along with um the canadians so if you were sylvan adams just thinking about it, if you were in his shoes you come in you facilitate the giro grande par or grande partenza in israel in 2018 Froome wins that giro you then sign Froome, big long-term deal you're trying to buy straight into the top to be relevant at the tour de france putting big money down to do that and then it's just not going 
that's just not happening. Like Froom got dropped today. They didn't even show him on camera. He got dropped with Brandon Rivera, who's got a contract at Ineos because he's friends with Egan Bernal on a 4% 4K climb. Froome's dropped. Like, so Froome's done, obviously. We know that. Um, would you be enjoying this if you were Adams? Instead of sipping champagne with a guy at least in the fight for the podium at the Tour, your team's in the relegation zone to get relegated from World Tour. That's not what I think he signed up for. That's where I think he's not paying that full saying money. That came from Premier Tech. But as I said, I didn't finish my point. Full saying 13th at Liège, could have done better. He let out Woods. You're not washed if you get that result, making G2 mm-hmm. yep. in, in, in Liège. You're still a good rider of, to some degree. Valenciana, he was very good as well against a good start list. Uh, the problem is the races he'll be sent to, his focuses. But as I said, Welter, top 10 GC, I think well within his capabilities. But what's your prediction? You think they'll leapfrog Cofidus? Oh, I I actually don't think so. Like, I'm really? not bullish at all on Israel at the moment. And perhaps I'm underrating what Woods and Fulsang will bring to the table in the coming ones. Perhaps I'm underrating how much this team was being destroyed by illnesses at the start of the season, which they were completely, which hindered their points, certainly. But I've got a feeling that it's the team's own fault, not the riders, but the way it was managed. I think if you, like, no offense, but if you sign Froome for a five-year, well, for whatever amount of years that he signed for Israel for five million a year, and he signed Fulsang for three years, like, the majority of transfers that this team has done is buying riders near the end of their career that are over their peak, that are almost proven over their peak, and try and, like you say, buy themselves into the top. No, that's not how you build a sustainable team. The way you build a sustainable team that can fight in the future is buying and investing in the younger aspect and therefore securing a future for your team. And now they didn't do that. And as a consequence, they're... Yeah, it's their own damn fault that they're in this situation. I have got no empathy for this. And their best bit of business kind of fell into their lap. Simon Clark, he's been unbelievable. Yeah, but he's but he's on the contract. Benji was saying uh, he's on a he's not on a monster contract, a one year deal at Israel, and he's been unbelievable for them this year, um, scoring points and relevant even in Omloop eleventh and yeah, just unreal. But that's the thing. I looked at they need Van Mark to sort of do well at Britannia Classic. Uh, they need they need a lot. And Nitsolo's key. Nitsolo is the signing who they thought would. Top three, Brugatapana. Top 10, MSR. Do well at Torino. And he crashed in San Remo, Poggio descent. So listen, everything that could have gone wrong for them so far this year has gone wrong. Um, I'd say older riders not recovering as well is something also that could be expected, but they need Nitsolo to bounce back. I'm kind of bullish on him, although Greipel had struggles sprinting at that mm-hmm. team as well. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they can leapfrog Cofidus, who are 100% committed to points hoarding, who have the French calendar that they go to, who have uh, Benjamin, Toma- Sorry, Benjamin Thomas, Welsh half-brother of Grant Thomas, and yeah, a whole host of riders doing really well but yeah it's a shame but also interesting to track uh let us know what you think will happen with israel premier tech one thing before i round off this long talk about it is 
if Lotto get relegated, it's not as bad as for Israel. Because if you fall fast in the last year of the three-year cycle, you are really fucked. You don't get the auto invites to stage races. Benji mentioned this earlier in the week. Lotto will get auto invites and become the new Alpes and Phoenix. Israel probably just one day races. So that's a very, with no Tour de France, Giro Vuelta, that is a tough sell for sponsors. Uh, but yeah, any other thoughts on this, Benji, before we preview stage four tomorrow of Romandie? Not really, to be honest. It's just clear that even if they have that f- force drop there, that quick drop into the pro Conti business and they don't get those automatic wildcards, it's also a consequence of not building a sustainable team through badly chosen transfers and that's why i really don't have mercy and i i'll repeat it like hey it's the israel story at the moment for the riders i feel bad and i hope that they will figure out a way to get out of this trouble but i guess we'll see in the coming months whether israel is going to come out on top or not unfortunately that sport there's winners and there's losers but yeah as i said it's I know people on that team and it's not good to be going through that as well, particularly when it probably with their budget the last few years could have been avoided. Uh, but tomorrow in Tour de Romandie, we have the first mountaintop finish. It's a stepped mountaintop finish and I would call it really medium mountain beforehand. It's like 7K, 6% rollers, then 6K, 7% downhill, and then 4K, 5.2%. I think Rowan Dennis wins this stage and actually takes a short time gap. This looks really good for him. He looks in really sprightly form, and um, I think it's going to be between him and Dylan Turns, Benji. Ooh, spicy Dylan Turns. I like that talk. I like that talk. We spoke about him a bit yesterday as a GC rider in this race. I need to stay on the same regard that I was the entire week so far. I've been saying a user for this race. Ah, I honestly yeah, feel like he, Dennis. He do well. Yeah, I do still feel like Dennis is really competitive to win this race, but I got to keep on my user train and I got to be contrarian for once. And I do feel like it fits. I honestly haven't looked at McNulty too much. I do think that Vlaza will come close either way. Oh, true. Like, it suits him. He, he's been like on point recently. Let's be honest about it. He's been on point and... Yeah, if he continues this onwards in this race, then he will be competitive on that climb. And Ben O'Connor could perhaps attack early or be there at the end. So there's plenty of action to come, and I'm looking forward to it. With a stepped climb like that, I struggle to see huge GC gaps. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it'll be bad weather. That suits O'Connor and turns, who love the rain. Thomas doesn't mind it uphill either, as long as it's not freezing. But yeah. First mountaintop finish, hopefully some big GC action. Otherwise, Romandie has not been the Giro tune-up race this year. It's too close to the Giro, which starts Friday next week. It has no Giro real contenders. Over in the north of Spain, uh, Vuelta Asturias kicked off today, 2-1 race. Uh, the big name there is Simon Yates. Quintana's not started. He's not feeling... He didn't want to start after his crash in Turkey, and frankly... Arkea don't need to go so hard for points anymore, and Volkala and Ver will probably take top 10s anyway. So Quintana's not there. Simon Yates pretty much here unopposed. Uh, no W52 Portuguese team after the doping arrest last week or this week. Anyway, Simon Yates won the first stage. It was like a 
it looked like the Tour de France stage that Alaphilippe won in 2020 ahead of he or she, like a 2K, 8%, 9% climb, close to finish, and he's just torched the field, it looks like. I don't think there's live coverage ahead of Albanese, Viermont, Lastra, and Benji's man, Fortunato. Fortunato's doing the Giro, Benji. Can we get an update? How is Burger King Boy doing? I've got absolutely no clue. Actually, I feel like he's been a bit worse than I expected him to be. 18 at Tirreno, 16 of Andalusia. I think he can top 20 the Giro's definitely. And I think the way that this man should apply his strategy to the Giro, to a GC, if he wants to go for that, is try and combine a top 15 position into going to the breakaway in the third weekend, try and that way get beneficial time, which drops him into 11th or 10th or 9th in GC. 100%. That's the way to go. He's fortunate that there's, well, he's fortunato that there's not oh, so much. Get out of here. <laughs> TTKs in this year's year. He lost five minutes. He lost more than five minutes in the Milan TT last year. He's like, that's, <laughs> that's unreal. Um, maybe if I get a city bike in the prologue, uh, when I go recce it next week, can I beat Fortunato's time that he sets in the prologue on a TT bike? Um, it's possible. <laughs> anyway, we're getting off track. Looking forward to the Giro next week. Benji got his passport. Somehow they gave it to him after his slander of Van Artensven and Van Doren out last year. Uh, but, yeah, we'll see you with the Romney Mountaintop finish recap tomorrow uh, and then the big final TT on Sunday. Ciao. Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Manny's and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code PRESSON25 at checkout for 25% off Impress Manicure and Press-On Falsies.